Today I'm going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, I grew up um, watching the movie Star Wars. In fact, my brothers, who I have three younger brothers, and they received, my, my two youngest brothers received the trilogy on VHS tape, if you remember what a VCR is. And they used to watch it every day after school. They would watch one video for like an entire school year. So I have no idea how many times I've seen Star Wars. But in Star Wars, there is the Force. And the Force is this power that some people have the ability to use, to manipulate. And, you know, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we, we read this, this passage that Joe read, and we think, what, what is the Holy Spirit? One time I heard a, a, a sermon called The Holy Who? Because people were unfamiliar. We're unfamiliar with who this Holy Spirit actually is. And is he, is he a ghost? Is, is he a... Is he just a force? Is he, is he power that comes on you? What is, who is the Holy Spirit? So our goal for today is for me to explain to you who he is. And uh, hopefully by the end of the, the sermon, you'll be saying, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to know him and uh, I want to be filled with him. So that's where we're going today. And I have been trying to preach shorter, and, and last Sunday I succeeded. And so uh, we may end abruptly, but that's okay, because next week is part three. And uh, Eric, I was talking with the worship team before, and Eric said, yeah, but that probably means that next week is three hours, <laughs> because uh, the trilogy, the third part's always the longest. But uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it uh, short as well. But let's pray and let's ask for God's blessing. Father, we thank you that we have your word that you have given us. And I ask that you would help me to speak it. Help me to clearly explain scripture. Help me to lay, lay out what you've taught us in your word about who the Holy Spirit is. And I pray that you would work in us a desire to know him and to see our church filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, as I, as I mentioned, we, the, what do we, who do we see the Holy Spirit as? Do we see him as a power? that we need to get a hold of? Or do we see him as God? Do we see him as God who gets a hold of us, who dwells inside of us? And so the first thing I want to do is just show you in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is God, that he's not a force, that he's not impersonal, but he is God. Uh, so first of all, and I'm going to be going through a lot of Scripture, and today's a, a little bit different of a sermon because I'm not just taking one text. Uh, I'm, but I'm taking several texts because I'm trying to teach a, a, a concept and understanding a, a, the theology of the Holy Spirit rather than looking at this one text and, and walking us through that. And so we'll be going through Scripture. So if you have your Bible, um, you can try to flip fast with me. If it's a, a phone, 
Maybe your fingers are fast enough. Hopefully they are. But it'll help you if you can look at the scripture. Now where we're going to start is Hebrews 9, 14. And the first thing is the Holy Spirit is eternal. Angels are not eternal. They were created. But Hebrews 9, 14 says this. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So we, we see here, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is eternal. That God, there was never a time when God was not. God has always been, he will always be, and the Spirit, his Spirit, is an eternal Spirit. He has always existed. That's Hebrews 9, 14. And I'm, I'm borrowing heavily from a, a preacher who lived about 120 years ago named R.A. Torrey. So this sermon, just so you know, I'm borrowing heavily from a book by R.A. Torrey. Uh, and if you'd like to know the, the, the book or how to get it, I'd be happy to tell you afterwards. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is eternal. And I'm just trying to show you that the Holy Spirit is God. He is not a force. He is not created. He is God. The next thing is the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, and that means he is present everywhere at every time. And we see this in Psalm 139, 7 to 10. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And what the psalmist is saying is there is nowhere you can go where the Holy Spirit is not. Where can I go from your spirit? So the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He fills every place on earth, in the universe. You cannot go anywhere without him. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Our, we find that in, in Luke 135, when the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. This is when the angel announces the birth of Jesus and Mary is a virgin. And how will she conceive? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for the Holy Spirit. Now, so we've got omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. He is eternal. Not only that, he knows everything. And the word is omniscient. And so first, that's the theological word for knowing everything. Omniscient. 1 Corinthians 2.10 to 11. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit 
knows everything. Holy Spirit knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind for each person here. The Holy Spirit is the one who knows all of God. And so do you see he is all-powerful? He is all-knowing. He is all-present. He is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's named with the Father, with the Son. When we look in Scripture, the, it's, it's the Father, it's Jesus, the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit. He's not subordinate in the sense that, you know, the, the Father and the Son are up here and the Holy Spirit is down here. We believe in the Trinity, that our God is three persons in one, and they are totally united in their character. In, uh, they are totally united in their love. And so it's not three gods, but it's one God in three persons. And, and you know what? That can be really hard to understand. But it's what we see in Scripture, what we see in the Word. Now, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 4. It's, uh, this is where we see the Spirit, Jesus, and the Father listed together. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God. So we see Spirit is working to give the gifts. Jesus is working there. He's the Lord. And it's God who's working in all. And so Paul right there is you're saying, how do we know there's a Trinity? We see that the Spirit, the Son, and the Father are listed together. And this is also in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. It says, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It would be shocking to put someone's name next to the Father and the Son, wouldn't it? The reason we baptize in the Father, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. He is eternal. He is omniscient. He, is, he knows everything. He is all-powerful. He is present everywhere. He is equal with the Father and the Son. He is God, and He is called God in Scripture. In Acts Chapter 5, there's a, a story of, of a, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And what they did is that they sold some property and they took some of the money back. And they hid some of the money and then they brought the rest of the money for the land to the apostles. And they said, we've sold our field and we're giving you everything. And Peter, through the Holy Spirit, knows they're lying. And he says to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back from yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, was it not yours? Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? And he says, you have not lied to man, but to God. So do you see in the beginning, he says, 
how is it you lied to the Holy Spirit? And he says, you have not lied to man, but to God. So first thing we need to understand, the, the Holy Spirit is not mysterious. He's not a force. He's not creepy. He's not weird. He is God. He is God. And if he is God, he is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be loved and adored. He is God. Now, that was a lot of scriptures right there, wasn't it? Are you hanging in there? This is, but let's, what I want to give you now is just a few of his names, because now we know his nature. Now you know his, he, he's eternal, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. He's with the Father and the Son. He is God. But let me just tell you some of his names. That, and, and we can't go through all of them in Scripture, but we're going to go through a few. One is clearly he's, he's the Spirit of God. But the, he's also the Spirit called the Spirit of the living God. 2 Corinthians 3.3 says, You are a letter from Christ delivered by us written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God. What that means is the Holy Spirit makes God alive to you. The Holy Spirit is God within you. He is the one who, who takes the information from the written ink, the ink on the page, and he puts it on your heart. Some people, all they know, all they know about God is, is knowledge of words on a page. And it's just in their mind. It's never touched their heart. And, and they have great theological knowledge. They have great Bible knowledge, but they do not have a personal experience with the living God. God is not someone who speaks to their heart. God is not someone who guides their life. God is not someone who comforts them. God is knowledge, like I know about the War of 1812, or like I war, know about the, the World War II, or, or other things like this. But the Spirit, what he does is he takes God and he lives, he comes to live inside of us and make God real to us. It's someone we know, someone we have a personal acquaintance with. You see, God's intention when he created Adam and Eve was to have a relationship with mankind. His, his plan was to be able to walk and talk with mankind. And, and when there was no sin in the world, he could do that, but God cannot dwell with sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so there was separation. But through Jesus' death on the cross, sin can be forgiven and righteousness can be given to us and the relationship can be restored. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is God in us and with us. He is the spirit of the living God, not just words 
on a page the word of God, but he is the living God written on our heart, changing our emotions, changing our thoughts. Some people think that God spoke to people like Moses and Abraham and Isaac, and he, he wrote this word and then he stopped and he withdrew and he just said, I've given you a book. I've given you ink on paper. You have enough. That's all you need from me. But the Spirit is the living God. He didn't stop speaking. God, Jesus calls him the advocate, the helper, the comforter. It's, it's like the lawyer who comes alongside of you and helps you in a case. Except the Spirit is helping you go through life. And he's guiding you step by step. That is his desire. He wants to take what's written and he wants to write it on your heart. To move it from your mind to your heart. You see, last week we talked about this precious promise that God made. Are, are you beginning to see how precious this is to you? That the living God wants to dwell in your heart by his spirit so you would be in constant connection with him, constant communion. You don't have to go to a temple. You don't have to give an offering. You don't have to make sacrifices because the living God is inside of you. He's also called the spirit of Christ in Romans Oh, did I miss the scripture reference there? That was 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. The Spirit of Christ in Romans 8.9. And really the whole chapter of Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit. But Romans 8.9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So without, without the Spirit, you don't have Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot belong to God. And if he is called the Spirit of Christ, what, what does that mean? It, it means he's Christ's gift to you. The Holy Spirit is, is the gift of Jesus to you and that he is revealing Christ to you. Christ is the most precious gift we could receive. His, his death on the cross and his salvation. But without the Holy Spirit, we are dead to these truths. We're, we're dead to our need for him. The Spirit is the one who makes us alive so we can understand, is spiritually alive. So we can understand the gift God has given us in Christ. The Holy Spirit not only reveals Jesus to us, but he forms Christ in us. God's intent is not for you to just be saved and go to heaven. I mean, that, that's a great thing. It's a great thing to avoid judgment, to not receive the punishment that we deserve and be eternally separated from God. That, that is a, a great thing, but it's not the only thing. God wants to form Jesus in you. Do you love your spouse like Jesus? 
If you were, if you were living, you know, maybe you live with a relative, brother, sister, parents, husband or wife, do you love them like Jesus loves them? Do you serve them like Jesus serves them? June, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Almost am it. I don't. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I don't love my wife like... If, if Jesus was living in the house, he would have another measure of love. But the Holy Spirit knows my weaknesses and he's forming in me, helping me love more and more. Helping me to respond to people who may mistreat me like Christ. Helping me to serve people like Christ. Help me, helping me to change the way I speak, the way I think, the way I act. Helping me to love my children more. This is what the Spirit does. He is the Spirit of Christ to form Christ in me. Because the Bible is not enough. The Bible tells me exactly what I need to do. The Bible gives me encouragement. The Bible tells me what is right and what is wrong. But the Bible cannot transform my life. It is the Holy Spirit, it is Christ in me who transforms me. And that's, we, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. And please don't think that I'm devaluing Scripture. Because what the Holy Spirit does is He brings me to the Word of God. He opens my eyes to understand it and apply it to my life. And then He gives me the power to do it. So, when the word says, husbands, don't speak harshly to your wives. Husbands, do not speak harshly to your wives. That would be ridiculing. That would be yelling. That would be criticizing unfairly. The, the word says, don't do it. In fact, it says that it'll hinder your prayers. If you mistreat your wife, it will hinder your prayers. If you ridicule your wife, you're burning down your house. But I won't see that as wrong until the Holy Spirit shows it to me. And then once I recognize that, he's the one who gives me the power to change my words. But he leads me to the word and helps me to apply it. Is this making sense? Are we seeing why we need, it's not enough to have ink on a page. We need the spirit of the living God inside of us. The Holy Spirit forms Christ in us. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. It's the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the church at Ephesus. He, he prays to the Father that he would grant believers according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. So he's praying, this, how does Christ come to dwell in us and change us? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how we need the Holy Spirit? Do you see how we've, we have the Father through the Son and the Son has given us the Holy Spirit? So we can become more and more like Christ. So we can have constant communion with God. 
the word says that we are the temple of God. So we no longer have to go to temples to worship. Every other religion, they go to temples to worship, but we have become the temple. We have become the dwelling place of God through his spirit. He's also called the spirit of judgment and burning, which is a little bit afraid or, you know, scary. Isaiah 4.4 says, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. And the context of that is, is that Jerusalem at this time was wicked. There was violence. There was adultery. There was murder in the streets. There was idolatry. And God is saying, I'm going to cleanse this city. I'm going to cleanse the sin. I'm going to do it by a spirit of judgment and of burning. Now, the judgment is the Holy Spirit makes us aware of sin. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't realize that I'm sinning. I'm, I think I'm fine. I'm doing great. But it's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes so we can see what we're doing is wrong. So we can see that we need to change. And this is what Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes. He will convict the world of sin. Without him, we don't realize that what we're doing is wrong. Now, the burning, burning is, is a refining, a cleansing. It also energizes. It's, you know, if, if you think of, uh, uh, if we talk about cleansing, a, an iron, a blacksmith, or a goldsmith, what will he do? He'll heat the gold and skim the impurities off the top. But it's the pressure, it's the heat that brings the, you know, the, the dirt to the surface. So when does our sin come to the surface? When do we get exposed for, with our anger or with our um, insecurities? It's when we're under pressure. The pressures of life reveal our character. And the Holy Spirit will allow us to come under tremendous pressure so that he can burn away the impurity in our lives. And he, he does that because his, his aim for your life is to form the character of Jesus in you. And we can either reject it and become angry when we're under pressure and blame God for it, or we can become soft and we can say, God, do what you want in me. Work in me. The other thing with, with fire is that, have you ever talked to someone and you just say, man, they're on fire. They're just on, you know, it could be they're on fire for the Lord or they're on, they're on fire for their, their major, whatever they're doing. They're just pouring all their passion and all their energy into what they're working on. And we, we use this term fire and the, and the Holy Spirit settled like a tongue of fire on, on the disciples, on the apostles. And what happened? They were totally transformed. They went from people who were hiding in locked rooms to proclaiming Christ in the temple where he was uh, tried. They, they were willing to endure beatings. They were willing to endure stonings and floggings and shipwrecks and go hungry. Most of us, you know, if, if I came to church and you all threw stones at me, I would probably quit. I'd be like, all right, I'm out. I'm done. I'll, I'll go get a job as a teacher or something. 
But the apostles, what they did is, is they went through this and they kept going. And that's the, the burning, the fire of the Holy Spirit fills you with passion. And now I'm, I'm approaching the time where I'm going to try to bring this to an end. But I've probably got about 15 minutes left. So now I've got to decide what I'm going to say. <laughs> Let me close with this one. The, the Spirit. And so those are some of the names of the Holy Spirit. But this is one thing that he does, and he does many things, is he regenerates us. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. Titus 3, 5 says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, he met Nicodemus was a religious teacher, and Jesus meets him at night, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of the spirit, you cannot enter God's kingdom. Do you see your need for the Holy Spirit? Do you see that, that he's not on the periphery? He's not on the outside. He's not the, 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 the crazy uncle that we ignore at family gatherings. He is God. And he is at the center of our faith along with Christ and the Father. The Holy and uh, you know, we're not a Holy Spirit religion. The work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't exalt himself. He exalts Jesus. He leads us to Jesus. But we need to understand how desperately we need him. Because he is Christ in us. He is the one who makes us alive. The Bible tells us that we were dead in our sins. Spiritually, we were completely dead. We were without hope in the world. We were without God, everything in our heart wanted to move away from God and reject his plan for our lives. Paul lists in the, the letter to the Galatians all the things, the natural tendencies of our heart. And we can see that as we look at the world, as we look at corporations and how they treat people, as we look at, and, and not all cor corporations, but you, you see that there are some that they exploit. If we look at colonialism, there's the exploitation and, and the greed. And if we look at the political system, there's the hatred in different places of the world, not one in particular. But we see in human nature across the earth, there is anger, there is rage, there is murder, there is adultery. These are the things that come from within our heart that it is our natural tendency and it is only the Holy Spirit who makes us alive through Christ. According to God's mercy, by the washing and regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, he 
makes it so we are born again and we come alive to the things of God. The Holy Spirit can, is, can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness. And we could go on. But I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up now. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes God real to us. He allows us to experience the living reality of the living God. He is God. He is eternal. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. He is good. He is the Spirit of Christ in us. He makes Christ real to us. He forms Christ in us. The Holy Spirit is the one who will raise us from the dead. And maybe we've gone through life thinking, I don't really need to know the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've been in a church that has never talked about the Holy Spirit. But it is the Holy Spirit who is God with you in Christ. Christ is with you through His Spirit. He says, it is better for me to go that the Spirit may come, that the Comforter may come. It is better for you to have the Holy Spirit than Jesus physically sitting in the flesh right here. It is better. It is better. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. If we didn't, God would never have given him to us. You know, I said last week that my wife uh, doesn't even like to be with me 24-7. You know, the Holy Spirit's with you. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit's with you 24-7, and he doesn't get tired. He never, he's never like, you know what? You're irritating me. I'm out. I need a break. <laughs> you're driving me crazy. He never says that. He's infinitely patient, infinitely loving, patiently forming Jesus Christ in you. And this is, this is the good news of the gospel. And maybe you're here today and, and you've never heard this before. Maybe you're here today and, and you realize, I want God in me. I want, I want a living relationship with God. I, I want to be renewed. I, I want to have Christ formed in me. Well, the message of Jesus is that it's not through offerings or sacrifices or good deeds or giving. But there is a God in heaven who created you, who recognized the gap between us, the, the sin that separated us and that we were dead to him. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to take the punishment for our sin so that we could be restored in relationship. And instead of making it a complicated thing, a difficult thing for us to attain, that you needed to do great feats of, of religious duty to somehow achieve salvation, he made it a free gift. The Bible says that to those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. You could have a relationship with God simply by confessing you're a sinner and asking Jesus to save you. To just say, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. 
And the promise that Jesus makes is that he will come inside of you through his spirit and transform you. And the Holy Spirit is a, he's a deposit. He's like the chop. He's like God's chop that says, Ariana belongs to me. I'm coming back for her. My unk belongs to me. Grace belongs to me. June belongs to me. He is God in us. And we need him. And we love him. And he's worthy of our worship. And he's not a force that we try to get a hold of. He's God that we surrender to, that he may have a hold of more of us. And so as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, come. The reason we're singing it is because we want more of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Not that we only have 20% of him, but what we want is for him to have free reign so that the love of Christ, the passion of Christ, the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ can be fully formed within our heart and within our church. So let's stand together. And you can pray, God, I want more of you in my heart. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have more of me. And I want more of the Holy Spirit of the church. Lord, we just pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would do more in us and in our church and that we would be marked and formed into the the love of Christ, the character of Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the precious gift that you have given us. And we want to ask you to come and fill us and fill our church with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.